Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's episode, we have a coaching call with Denise, a freelancer from South Carolina in the USA. Denise works in higher education and she's happy with the way her freelance business is going. But after finding some early success in e-learning thanks to COVID and other factors, Denise is ready to branch out and grow other segments of her business. Throughout the call, we keep coming back to two critical themes, the importance of building your brand and the power of opportunity costs. If you want to build new revenue streams into your freelance business, but you're not sure how to go about it without burning out or losing a handle on the current revenue streams you have, take a listen to this coaching call. It'll be just what you need. We'll be back with Denise after this quick message from our sponsors. Oh, and before we kick off the episode today, I'm calling out anyone lurking in the shadows trying to work up the courage to join Clay and me here on the show. It's time to take action. And literally, there's almost nothing easier and more impactful than a coaching call where we can help you see the way through some of your biggest scaling hurdles. We need freelancers like you to keep this show going. Yes, actually you listening right now to my voice. (laughs) To join us on an upcoming episode, visit freelance2founder.com and just scroll to the bottom of the page to sign up. I hope we can chat soon. Now onto the show. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee from Milo.co. And joining me today on the air is my good friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey, Clay. Hey, how's it going? I'm always happy to be here, even though we have technical issues like where <laughs> we do every time. Every time. I was telling Denise... <laughs> Uh, who I'm about to introduce, I was telling Denise that uh, I swear we've done this like 60 or 70 times and it never fails. There's always something we got to deal with, but everybody kind of knows how that is now, right? It's like uh, with all the remote work and the Zoom stuff, like everyone's kind of sympathetic now to it. So it's all good. (laughs) Um, But uh, like I mentioned, joining us today is our new friend, Denise, uh, calling from South Carolina in the US. Hi, Denise. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Thanks for uh, for taking time to call in. We're going to chat about Denise's business today. And before we dive in, I want to just remind you that we are currently looking for freelancers who want to grow their business and who want to jump on a coaching call with me and Clay. You know, Clay and I have both grown multiple businesses um, and we know a thing or two about what it takes to, to scale your service-based business. And we'd love to chat with you about your business. So just like Denise did, you can um, you can hop on a call with us 
or like she's doing now, I should say, uh, you can hop on a call with us. We just have you fill out a quick questionnaire. Just visit freelance2founder.com and you can uh, have a free coaching call with me and Clay. There's no upsell at the end or anything like that. We just want to chat with you about your business and then share that episode with, uh, with the rest of the world so they can learn as well. But anyway, that's enough of that. Denise, tell us a little bit about your uh, business, what you're currently doing as a freelancer. Oh, sure. Thank you so much again for um, having me on the, the podcast. Um, I currently uh, specialize in e-learning. I'm an educational consultant and I work with um, primarily colleges and universities and I um, teach uh, online courses. Um, I also present at conferences and workshops and different things as well uh, in regard to e-learning, which I absolutely love. That's um one of my passions uh, in my career is is teaching online and and helping online mm. learners discover what um, their goals are. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, I think we need more and more of that. And obviously, the world is is going that way. Like we could probably talk about uh, education <laughs> and the internet for a whole episode. I really love that kind of stuff. Oh, okay, excellent. Yeah. Well, uh, tell us, tell us then maybe what what your typical client looks like and um, what your business looks like right now. We, yeah, we sure. I think have a pretty good idea of the kinds of services you offer, maybe. But um, yeah, yeah, give us an idea of what your clients look like. Okay, and just to give you a kind of a brief um, background mm-hmm. on uh, my business, I I started out as a recruitment agency. Um, um, prior to the pandemic. Hmm. And um, right uh, before the onset of the pandemic, I began shifting my business because I recruited um, lots of people, but they the retention factor was missing. And so I, I love, as I mentioned, online learning and, and instruction and training. So I shifted my business before the pandemic to focus on that online training component and began teaching online with universities as well. And then the pandemic uh, hit. So it kind of um, caused me to shift the entire business to to the online concept, which was, it just kind of, it just all fell into place that way. But, um, but my primary um, clients um, um, are um, the universities that I work with. um, And, and I, I feel, um, and one of the reasons I reached out um, to your show as well is that um, I, I do regard myself as a freelancer, but I, 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 I assume that would be the right <laughs> title for myself. But I, <laughs> I work for several companies um, doing pretty much the same thing, whether it's teaching online or mentoring um, doctoral learners who are working on their dissertations or different things, but just basically working in higher education, um, yeah. primarily doing the online teaching. And, and it just has grown as, as you mentioned already, um, the need has um, become so much greater, um, in the last uh, couple of years, it seems than, than in prior years. Um, but, but that's the focus of, of what I do. Um, and and I absolutely love what I do. I I want to maximize uh, what I do. And so that growth potential, um, or that growth element is where I'm, um, stuck, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at which direction my company or, or myself really is just me, but um, which direction I should um, expand in to find more opportunities to teach online and to be able to immerse myself in that e-learning higher education uh, realm. Okay. So, yeah, really so when cool. you say, yeah, very cool. So when you say you're, you're trying to uh, expand out, like tell, tell us about maybe the, the financial life cycle of a client. Um, like, is, is it kind of, like you, you work with a, a university or something for a semester or two, and then it's over. Or is it? Does it tend to be long term, ongoing? Like when you say, um, the, the, the tell one, us, walk us oh, through. Um, I guess the reason why you would need to branch out. Um, what what's missing there? Yeah. 
You know, um, and that's a great question because that that is one of the uh, concerns. When I work with a university, I usually plan for it to be an undetermined amount of time. Usually, um, Mm. you know, if a university has a need for an instructor to teach, you know, they um, reach out and and hire, um, you know, the instructor um, who has the um, background to teach that particular class. So I, I, my greatest joy is being able to forge those long-term relationships where I can teach for a long period of time with a particular university. Um, sometimes you're, you're, you can be unsure of how long that may last. You know, it, it may mm-hmm. be that the university may not have a need for that course that I happen to be teaching. So it could be um, a couple of terms that go by before you may teach that course or, or, ha- or that they have a need for you to teach in that particular realm. Uh, so so I, I think what um, by expanding, I would really like to have um, that opportunity to work with um, with with as, as many as I can um, without sacrificing quality, of course. Um, sure. I, I don't want to be, you know, have so many, um, you know, um, companies that I am not able to provide that high quality instruction. So and you can so, do it simultaneously work with several mm-hmm. universities yes. at the same time? Okay. Yes, okay. Yes. Um, and, and, and sometimes it may be that I work with a university for one semester and then the following semester, they may not have a need for that particular course. So I wouldn't teach with them for that semester. And then the following semester, I may be working uh, with them as well. And in, in addition to the universities, I'm, I'm by expanding also, I, I like uh, presenting at conferences, um, doing workshops. That's another part that I haven't been able to grow as quickly as the online instruction with higher education institutions. So that's another part of my freelance um, uh, goals that I would like to expand as well. Just just having that trouble of finding those opportunities to do those kinds of things is where I kind of hit an impasse Mm. in in that part of my uh, freelance um, career. Okay. Well, I think this is a great time then to bring up, uh, you know, the survey that I mentioned previously, you filled out, we ask everybody who comes on the show, you know, longtime listeners are going to be familiar with this. We, we say on a scale of one to 10, one being a freelancer, 10 being a founder, where are you currently? You put that you're a one, which I think jives with what you've told us today. You know, you're, you're working by yourself, um, a few clients, uh, and, and really trying to figure out where to go from here in terms of growth and diversification. Um, and But you said that in six to 12 months, you'd like to be more like a seven. And I'd be yeah. interested to hear, you know, you've, you've given us a, a bit of a glimpse of maybe some of the goals you have and where you'd like to go. But could you paint for us a really clear picture of what a seven would look like for you? What, what's, what's an ideal scenario for you in the next six or maybe 12 months? Okay. Uh, you know, I struggled with that question because I thought that the higher the score was, that meant the more people I wanted to have working mm. like a company. And so I, I struggled with that for a minute. And then I rated it, uh, like you mentioned, the, the seven, because I, I would like to see myself freelancing with in more than one industry. Um, so, mm. you know, I, I, I like the freelancing with the higher education institutions. I absolutely love that. I also want to freelance in terms of writing, uh, you know, and writing books and and publications, you know, and then um, there's another part where I'd like to um, uh, do some freelancing in regard to, as I mentioned, um, you know, speaking at different events. And, and I've started some of that, um, but I don't want to uh, put myself in a box to only do just one thing. You know, I, I'd like to see myself expand more to be able to do 
more things, if that makes any sense, to be able to, yeah. um, you know, step outside of of the of one area and be able to specialize in another. Uh, it could be that one of those areas could expand to where there would be a need to hire people or to have mm-hmm. uh, contractors assisting in one of those areas. But I want to expand my mindset outside of the box of thinking I can only do, you know, I'm Denise, I have to do box A and that's all mm-hmm. Denise can do. You know, I, sure, I, I, yeah. I don't want to remain in that box. I want to definitely exercise the potential of, of, uh, of, of what I can possibly do. Okay. So, so if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like, uh, you know, in the, in the next year, you'd like to um, not only be maybe teaching and mentoring in the e-learning space, but maybe become uh, a bit of a, a bit of a personal brand, a bit of a, a bit of an expert in the field. People Uh maybe go to you, read your books, uh, maybe go to you for consulting or something like that in terms of uh, e-learning, online education. Uh, I mean, am I kind of getting the right picture here? You you painted the picture better than I did. (laughs) Well, I think that'll be a fun conversation because, uh, I don't know, I think think Clay will have some fun things uh, to talk about in terms of personal branding. I definitely mm-hmm. will have a few things to add. Where would be most helpful, Denise, uh, for us to start this, start kind of the coaching portion of the call? Like what what hurdles are you facing right in front of you that we could maybe help you overcome? One of the things I would say is, is um, but and I don't want to mention too many things at one time, but I guess you, you mentioned what's right in front of me. I would say I'm going to call it marketing, but that may be the wrong term. But but being able to position uh, myself in the correct space to really discover the opportunities mm. to be able to get out there. Um, and that probably doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, you know, just I, I guess being able to find the opportunities in e-learning to develop my brand like yeah. that what would the first step be in developing a brand uh and, and how would i go about doing that you know i think that would probably be the first challenge is, is being able to establish that yeah sure clay do you have any thoughts on uh, where De- where denise could start in terms of like how, how do i start building a brand that people can you know th- how, how do people yeah. think of denise first when uh, when it comes to e-learning and stuff like that yeah i i think this uh I, I, as Denise, as you were talking, I was writing down several things. Um, I think it goes beyond just that question of how do I start like a, a, like a personal brand or a brand. Uh, just really quick, I, I just want to know um, what 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 percentage capacity do you think you are working at right now? Oh wow, that is a deep question. Um, percentage capacity, I would say probably seventy percent. 70. Okay. So yeah, you, got, was, you got some time, you got some, some, uh, some room to, yeah. to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other, the other question too, I have too, is, is like when you say look for opportunities, so you're talking about new opportunities to do a different type of service, not necessarily grow what you're currently doing. Is that correct? Um, yes and no. I, I, I love what I'm doing and, and I certainly want to continue with that. But I also want to be exposed to um, different opportunities where I can exercise um, the, the, the skills that, that I have um, that are some, very similar to the online instruction. And one example of that would be 
um, say, for example, um, presenting at a conference or or yeah. perhaps working with a business that may not be affiliated with education that is looking for someone to develop a training program for their okay. company, you know, to, to be yeah. able to, you know, the e-learning concept, definitely, I want to focus on that, but but not to be locked in the box of, of just one particular industry. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is really interesting. I, I, I actually used to have a client um, back when I had my agency who was in a similar space, not exactly the same thing you're doing, mm-hmm. um, but very similar. And it sounds like, like you and her were in the same kind of position uh, whenever I was first introduced to this person. And it, it's more of like, they they want to grow, but they're also looking at trying to do like other things. And so the only thing I would have I would just give you fair warning here is to try like and I I completely understand trying to look at op- other opportunities, other verticals. Um, but just be aware of your time as well, because that's why I asked you about your capacity. Mm-hmm. Because as you add on new new things, like you're going to be very very busy and. Not in the sense of like you're at full capacity. I mean, it's going to look like you're over here doing this thing. You're over here doing this other thing. You're over here doing this other thing. And mm-hmm. it's really difficult to manage your time uh, efficiently whenever you're doing that. And so um, I, I, I'm just going to preemptively say this. Uh, and just because I know this is, this is actually a personal experience of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, just preemptively say whenever you dive into going into these new opportunities to... Just be aware of time and capacity issues. Definitely. Um, because uh, that kind of stuff can, mm. like, especially if you have different processes mm-hmm. for each different type of service, like that can be so inefficient. I know that wasn't the kind of the question here, but um, so anyways. Can I, I, can just, I just add to that real quick? Yeah. I think I think that's really good advice. Um, I, I, I'm kind of a glutton for punishment in this area where it's like, every time I want to launch something new, I sort of estimate like, okay, it's probably going to take you know, another so many hours a week or whatever to manage. Um, but what I forget is often as you're ramping it up, it takes way more time and effort. And so like... Uh, it's usually double for me. Uh, yeah, at least. Like, yeah. and, so, and so yes, it might settle back down into kind of not necessarily autopilot, but definitely more manageable. It might get to that point eventually where maybe the stuff you're currently doing, Denise, is, is at. But in the beginning, like to, to ramp up a new service or a new offering or a new process or a new client base or a new project or whatever, like it takes so much more time and effort uh, in the beginning stages. And so it, it can be from a practical point of view. I love what Clay is saying here. Like it, it might make sense to um, hire some subcontractors, subcontractors, excuse me, that can help with your current mm-hmm. processes that you know are already kind of flowing along nicely. You know what to expect. You know how long things take. Yeah. Maybe you could bring someone on board or maybe you could find some software that helps you be a little more productive in those areas so that you can dedicate more time to any new initiatives that you might bring in. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate 
easy, and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I, and um, I, and I agree 100%. Um, I will often limit um, accepting new opportunities at the expense mm. of quality because I truly believe that um, everything that I do, I like to put 100% in. And when I get to a point where I can't do um, my best, my absolute best, then I know that I cannot accept any more um, work. I, I, I just feel like if people are investing in in my time and, and they have asked me to do something for them, I'm going to make sure I do my best. Um, yeah. So I definitely agree um, with the um, that overwhelm. I, I worked uh, um, when I worked full time. I definitely felt overwhelmed. So yeah. I know how that yeah. feels. Yeah, and definitely. so in, in my freelance career, I, I have not felt uh, that overwhelm. I don't plan on feeling mm. that <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, so I, I really appreciate that, um, that feedback on that. And I agree 110%. I, I definitely don't want to um, take on more than mm. what I mm-hmm. can effectively manage with quality. I underline that because I, yeah, I, I think... believe in that. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, so I, I, I was going to say like, I think, um, where, where this could be resolved. Um, and, and, and I, I went through this, I don't know how many times, but it all comes back down to like fundamentals. And so what I mean by that is, and you've heard it a million times, who is your ideal client, right? Mm-hmm. So you hear that all the time, but let's actually run through this exercise. So who would you say, Denise, is your ideal client right now? Um, if this is not too broad of a term, I would say educators. If I, if I, as much uh, as I would like to to branch out and and help a manufacturing company and and then help a um a whatever else kind of industry, if I had to hone in, um, like I have made myself do over the last year, it would definitely be education educators because that's my background. Okay, so let's go deeper than that. Okay, what kind of Educators. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, 
I'm, I'm a little torn. My background is in public education, K-12 ed, but mm-hmm. my e-learning opportunities have been in higher education. So okay. I, I would have to say higher education because through higher education, I am able to work with K-12 instructors and uh, personnel in school districts because I do so much, many different roles with the higher ed institutions. Okay. Um, so let's go one more level. Uh, let's go deeper than that. So right now it's it's uh, higher higher education, right? Educators? Yes. I don't know how, I guess that's the best <laughs> way to say that. Um, so if you go deeper one more level, what's what would you say that level is? As my, um, um, the, the client, um, you mean? Like yes. The ideal, point, ideal client. Ideal, so like, client. Um, well, cause there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot, a lot of higher education, uh, universities out there, right? Like right, there's a yeah. ton of them. So like, look at your current client base and think about who, who is paying you the most money, but who at the same time, simultaneously, these both factors have to exist. You actually like working with. <laughs> so look at those factors and think, what is a common trend among those people, right? It could be they're all on the West Coast or <laughs> they're all in certain states, you know, because right. states different. I know there's different laws in education depending on which state. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certain contracts and th- available and things like that. Uh, so that's that's a deeper level. So like, if you had to guess, it's okay if you don't know this right now. If you don't, um, we can we can move on. That's something you could think about later. But do you know of a, of a, of the next level that would be besides higher education? Um, maybe if I had to take it to another level, maybe I would say on. Well, I, I started to say online um, mm-hmm. higher education because I work with both traditional universities and online universities. But my my interactions have been strictly teaching. And, and engaging with the universities in an online capacity. Oh, this is interesting. Um, so so the, the majority, which one would you say is the majority of your revenue right now? Is it, are these universities that are online only? Are they traditional only or are they a mix? Um, I, I work with several. So um, there are some that are traditional um, that are just integrating online programs. And then there are those who have been strictly online um, that that you know I work with, and then there's the other combo. They're both traditional with well-established online programs, so it's an even kind of an even mix. Even uh, mix, yeah. But but the target, of course, rather than in-person instruction, it is online uh, or or what I like to call e-learning. Um, okay. Basically, with with those universities. Okay. Okay. So, um, and and, and we you could deep dive, deep dig deeper into this later, but like let's mm-hmm. just say for instance, one of those is just easier to get. Maybe like if you have a traditional school versus uh, one that's online only, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the the contracts are easier to get for one of those. I don't know. Or it could be something like that. So to me, like maybe I'm just going to say hypothetically, um, your ideal client is higher education uh, where schools are traditional only and they're trying to get into the e-space, right? The e-learning mm-hmm. space. Okay. So let's just say like, Hypothetically, that is your ideal client. And you have to be specific like that because what you offer is going to be completely dependent on who that is. Because if you and I and I know you're you're talking about like other opportunities and things like that. But the the thing you have to think about though is 
who do you actually want to work with? Like who? Because you don't want to just say all educators. Like because mm-hmm. honestly, um, if you don't know it by now, you will later. That is a bad move because there's just there's going to be types of clients that you do not like working with. So um, <laughs> you're going to want to work with whoever your ideal client is, whoever you've established. And by the way, that can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you set it now doesn't mean you can't change it later. If something you know, if something changes uh, in your business model, but my point is, is, is what the service that you offer uh, is going to be catered to whoever that ideal client that you have specified. Because if you try to do another service that, let's just say, manufacturing, um, mm-hmm. and I'm saying this because you said it, um, maybe your service doesn't quite fit that mm-hmm. at all. And, and may, let's just say you don't really like to work with manufacturer manufacturing companies. You just see opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, which I totally get that there's there's opportunity everywhere. That does not mean you need to pursue it. Yeah, because you need to do things. It, this is my two cents. Things that you are passionate about that you absolutely love doing because that's what makes a business sustainable. Yes, uh, and it prevents burnout. So, yeah, especially a business yeah. where you are the business, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I so, agree. I don't know. Does that hit home with you at all? It does. And I actually made that decision to not cross over into other industries that, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's very hard, uh, or at least it was hard for me when I first started out um, with my original, with my first company to get into the concept of being in a niche. You know, I, I wanted to recruit for everybody. I, I yeah. wanted to recruit yeah. for every industry because there was so much business out there. And I found out after the first six months when I tried to do that, that when you have that niche, you will get more of people from one industry than you will trying to cast that net wide. And so because my background was in public education, I um, my niche was public schools. That's and, so much easier and, to sell. It, it so is. So much easier to sell. Mm-hmm. Like, it it's, yeah. it's, like mm-hmm. if you go to a manufacturer and and they see that, like, ver- like if you were to have manufacturing experience, that is easier to sell versus you having public education experience. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's all about, one, to me, what's the easiest to sell? And two, mm-hmm. uh, what do you want to be, like, what do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known mm-hmm. for like the person who, who like in e-learning, in education, like mm-hmm. to me, that sounds like yeah. the avenue to go. Like, because it's mm-hmm. so much, so much easier to brand yourself mm-hmm. if you brand yourself like that. Versus yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah. that's that's the whole yeah. point of of branding, right? Like, if you want to yeah. become this personal brand where you can write books and speak and expand into all these different arenas that you're talking about, you have to be known for something fairly specific. Otherwise. Yeah, you become just kind of a, a Jill of all trades, if you will, and and yeah. even yeah. even and when you're doing one, yeah, and even when you're doing it, you, you know, doing one specific thing, if you're doing it for anyone and everyone, then yeah, it becomes mm-hmm. very hard to to be like the go to person or the go to brand right. for any particular mm-hmm. thing. And if I can, now that's not to say that's not to say that like if you add on to your team and someone who has manufacturing experience. That you cannot expand into that, like you could one hundred percent expand into that if you add onto sure. your team, and that person has you yeah. know experience. So yeah. Okay. Well, well, let me let me ask this if this is okay. Um, in regard to um, 
I guess, branding. Um, I am totally all for um, the, the targeting of, um, of or this being specific and intentional with higher education. If I had to pick um, one industry and one thing to focus in on, that is not an issue at all. I absolutely love what I do. I love the online instruction. Um, some things have kind of naturally um, began to flow from doing that, such as the writing, uh, because in in higher education you're encouraged to write, mm-hmm. and, and so so that kind of naturally flows from what I'm doing. So I don't want to get too far away from what will naturally flow from my focus. So so I guess all of the areas that I would like to branch out in, and I mentioned about um, having several companies, um, um, the things that I want to naturally branch at, that they would be natural extensions of my primary focus. If that makes any sense, so yeah, I, I don't want to yeah. go out on you know I'm not I don't want to be out in left field and say mm-hmm. okay now I'm going going to be um, a manufacturing e learning expert but I also want to be this kind of you know I want things to naturally flow yeah I think it's I think it's uh, for me it comes down to opportunity cost and it's like every everything that you choose to branch out and add to your business yes does it does it complement the core of your business that you know is working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there may come a day when you start a completely different business that's unrelated to what you're doing now. But like that's that that moment is not now. It doesn't feel right. like. <laughs> um, instead, it's like how do I how do I add on pieces to this thing that's already working um, to become you know better known or better respected or yes. be able to charge higher fees or like how can I how can I add on pieces here and there instead of how you know what's something totally revolutionary and different that I can do over here because that's going to take so much more effort and time to start something new from scratch uh, instead of like just adding on a piece here and adding on a piece there where you can also right. get maybe assistance from subcontractors and things like that. Can, Denise, can I ask mm-hmm. you, um, so do you literally only do one thing for your clients right now? Like, um, Can you go into more detail about what you actually yeah, yeah. In addition to teaching um, online instruction, uh, occasionally I um, I speak at at conferences. Um, I've I've done that usually maybe once, maybe twice a year. When the pandemic hit, I um, didn't do <laughs> didn't have any conferences uh, yeah. after that. But uh, but you just occasionally I do that. Um, I I write books. I, I've written one book already, and I'm working on a second one. So, so I wouldn't, I, I guess I, I say, I call these businesses, um, they don't necessarily, I guess, have to comprise businesses, but basically what I do now, the primary thing that I do now is teach online um, for colleges and universities, mm. which I absolutely okay. love doing. Is, um, it, I, is there any, any other, um, are there any other things that the universities ask you to do other than teach courses? Yes, I, I serve on um, committees um, for doctoral learners as they work on their dissertations. Um, I've been asked to um, take part in different, um, um, I guess, endeavors with the university in terms of um, it, it could be curriculum reviews or you know are different these paid things like that. Or volunteered. Um, these are are paid. Paid. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So a okay. lot, all of what I've been doing has been related to it, and and it's not um, anything to try to get away from what I'm doing. But as a, 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 I'm a freelancer. I don't necessarily, I didn't at the time call it a business, but I have realized that I guess it is a business. You know, even <laughs> I might not have a a different name to it other than my own name. 
but um, I definitely want to um, try to grow it as in in relation to what I yeah. currently have. You know, I, I I always emphasize the overwhelm principle because I know how that feels, and I, I won't be back there again. <laughs> so yeah. I I want to yeah. keep it in in perspective. But that that branding part is really. Um, I guess, and, and maybe I don't need branding. Maybe I need to focus on on what I'm currently doing. But it's 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 just great to hear all of what um, you all are saying because I'm I'm really mm-hmm. hearing this. This is really great information. Do, do the uh, so when the universities ask you to be a part of a did you say an advisory board? Is that what you said? Um, oh well, like maybe reviews of different. Oh, reviews. Um, yeah, maybe um um reviewing student work and aligning um which one takes up more time course teaching courses or that one oh teaching courses um that that's yeah sometimes i design courses um you know which one do you make more money oh the the teaching yeah some of those yeah yeah, the other duties are are like very smaller um side um things i wouldn't necessarily call them jobs but they they may offer this they want someone to help out with reviewing a curriculum or something. It's, it's just kind of something that the universities will offer to help you work with other faculty members and to help them with their evaluation um, services okay. and different things. But what, what, uh, what percentage of your clients do you do teaching only versus teaching and doing these extracurricular things? Um, teaching only is probably 75%. And the other 25%, I um, work with doctoral learners um, on their dissertation mm. committees and and um, supervise aspiring teachers as they're going into their profession. That, that's probably about 25%. And those are paid as well. Do you, do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> I so, think so. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the reason I'm, I'm saying this is because I, I'm a big advocate for increasing revenue with what you're currently doing and grow that uh-huh. before you expand into other areas because expanding into other areas and doing other services, there's way more ramp up. It usually costs money um, and, and or t- more time. Um, and so when I asked you at the beginning, what's your current capacity? You're at 70%. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you make... And then also you make most of your money teaching courses uh, but it takes up it also takes up most of your time versus the extracurricular stuff um but only 25% of your client base you do the extra stuff and but you said that doesn't take up that much time right. and so i would highly encourage you to hit up the 70 75% of your clients where you only do teaching uh-huh. and I, and I don't know how this works in your world, but basically pitch them on your services to do the extra stuff because mm-hmm. you can increase your revenue quite substantially, I would guess, just based off the numbers that you're telling me um, by doing that. And it, they're already clients. So the sell, the, the, the selling part should be fairly easy versus breaking into a new service or opportunity area. Okay, I, I don't know. That. Preston, you have any... Thoughts there? Um, yeah, I, you know, I I think for me that's spot on. Like, where where is there an easy revenue increase opportunity without having to launch something completely new? Mm-hmm. And I think, of course, you know, the the universities or whoever um, 
whoever your client is, they will all have different uh, rules and regulations about this. But one thought I've had is from a practical point of view, I wonder if you could, for example, hire um, an assistant, a part-time assistant of some kind mm-hmm. who could help you do some of the more, uh, the more, I guess, wrote or planned or um, sort of just, what am I trying to say? Just like the, the, you know, the habitual stuff of, of, of the job. So I've done some online mm-hmm. teaching recently uh-huh. and I happen to know that like the engaging with the students is, is really important and fun and interesting. And then the grading of the work, at least for me, was not quite so fun and interesting. <laughs> um, and so like, you know, again, depending on what the regulations are with your clients and the universities, you could potentially hire someone to do some of that more, some of those more menial tasks or repetitive tasks that just basically are checklist work. Like, did they complete this? Did it meet specifications, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, and, and then all the time you save by hiring a subcontractor or an assistant of that nature, you could put into what Clay is talking about here, which is like um, you could then offer more high-level stuff, consulting, uh, sitting on these boards, offering you know advice, potentially speaking or, or writing or doing any of those things to continue to grow your personal brand. I just think it's, I guess what I'm really getting at is I think it's important to keep in mind that like, some of the biggest personal brands, and you know, you're probably not trying to become the next huge household name personal brand, but I, I think it can be instructive to to look at some of these people, like the Marie Forleo's of the world, the Pat Flynn's, the Tony Robbins of the world. They are huge personal brands. We know their names, but um, but they aren't a solo team. They don't do it all on their own, mm-hmm. right? They have mm-hmm. huge teams in a lot of cases, and so. Having one or two people who maybe do some of your more repetitive, programmable, planned tasks throughout the day can free you up. Again, it comes back to opportunity cost, can free you up yeah. to do some of that more growth-focused work. I don't know. what's Sorry, that was long-winded. Denise, what, what's resonating with you? Where Are we headed in the right direction here? Yeah. Yeah, I like what you said. And because of the online instruction and, and, and lots of, you know, like you mentioned about being um, cognizant of the um, guidelines and, and restrictions sure. of the university. And of course, with um, with FERPA guidelines, I, I wouldn't be able to allow somebody, you know, to kind of come in and, and, and assist with that. But there are some other things outside of the online instruction component that um, I mm-hmm. may be able to, um, to, to, you know, to, to get some assistance with to um, you know, be able to free up um, sometimes. So that um, when you said that, that got me to thinking. So that that really um, resonated with me. Yeah, you got you got to. I would highly encourage you to do the math um, if you haven't already behind your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I mean by that is, where do you make the biggest? The, in summary, biggest, where do you make the biggest bang for bang your buck? For your buck, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like like for example. Um, there, I, I sell something that's really low dollar that costs nineteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I sell a lot of them, but I, as far as units, but I don't like I don't make a ton of revenue, and but I I, I also don't spend any time on it. Now, where I spend all of my time is they're they're on my high ticket items, mm-hmm. like per client right so yeah. like that's where i spend all my time and by the way they're the easiest things that i do mm-hmm. um and so that actually required my my time um so i would encourage you to look at the math 
and think, okay, how much am I making per, I don't know how, how it's priced in your world, but like per class that you teach um, mm-hmm. versus how much money you make per uh, committee or something like on the higher end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would figure out what that is, like how much money you make per like unit, whatever that unit is. And do try to try to do more of that, yeah. and then minimize the things yeah. that mm-hmm. that take up a lot of your time, but you're making very little revenue. Because yeah. that's where a lot of people they they bottleneck themselves that way. Yeah, and you know what, Clay, that that is so wise. Um, I I recently um did a little of that. I I did um, do that. Um, looking at the numbers that you mentioned, and that is very um revealing when when you really very do revealing. That. Yeah, and I've, yeah. I've made one rule. Um since I um, have been, become a freelancer, I only accept jobs that I love and that reward me or, or that adequately, at minimally, that they adequately compensate me for the time and efforts that I put in. Yeah, and, and when I established that rule, um, it, it things began to fall into order. Mm, so, yeah. so, so I, I really... Funny how that works, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's yeah. not all about the money, right? Obviously, yeah. but it's certainly when it comes to business, that is the, that is, that's what levels the playing field. That's what keeps you in business or puts you out of business is whether or not you're making enough money to sustain yourself. And so, yes, it's important that you like what you do and it's important that you enjoy you know, the people you work with and you like your clients and everything's a good fit. But all of that aside, like, like revenue for your business is mm-hmm. the great equalizer. And so yeah. um, I, I agree. Like, you know, it, it's whether you choose to, to do the math by the hour or, or by the project or by the class or whatever it is, you know, you might make way more money by the hour speaking, for example. But if you're if you're teaching so many classes that you don't have time to go set up new speaking arrangements, then you're never going to be able to grow that portion of your business. So mm-hmm. it is. I I just yeah. love the sort of recurring theme here we keep coming back to, which is opportunity cost. Everything you do in your business, mm-hmm. especially when you're a solo solopreneur and a, a single person working in your business, everything's an opportunity cost. Yeah. yeah. I think a good rule of thumb. Uh, some I, I I can't can't credit this um, to me, but somebody said uh, for anything that you do that a fifteen dollar an hour person can do instead, that's what you need to just outsource or hire for. Yeah. Wow, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like well, it hit home for me too. I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I still yeah, find myself totally. doing fifteen dollar an hour tasks. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah. Because the so, whole because the whole thing is like Clay, you could in that hour you could go book a customer for like five grand, right? And so oh yeah, and so like you know how many times a day are you doing fifteen dollar an hour tasks and missing out on five thousand dollars because you haven't hired someone to do that other task? It, it's really yep. it can be eye opening and it can be a little scary. You know, because then you have to go do those other tasks that bring in more revenue um, in order to pay the people that you've hired. But that's yeah. really how a business is scaled. That's how how you grow different portions of your business. It's how you grow your revenue. It's how you get beyond where you're at right now. Yeah. And one thing that you all have um, both said that resonated with me, one of the many things that you said um, that has resonated resonated with me was um, when you had me look at the business at, at the business of freelancing and determine what percentage is bringing in the revenue because mm. the percentage that's bringing in the revenue is the percentage that I love. And so, so it really sign. made yeah, it really made me focus. I'm like, okay, well, if what I love is is the the primary um, 
source of, of revenue, then I need to maybe um, just get a tunnel vision there for a moment and, and kind mm-hmm. of uh, look at opportunities there. So I, I, I like that um, being able to look at it from this perspective. I haven't had the opportunity to have um, experts ask me these questions. So this is a really great <laughs> coaching opportunity. This is wonderful. And I really appreciate it. Well, great. Also, um, can I say one thing? Real quick? Of course. I know we're coming up on the, the end no, here. Good, Clay, go um, so Denise, as you're going through this, so I'd say do all the things that we we've said up to this point, but like whenever you're ready to, to scale yeah. um, even more, so not just grow, but scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would encourage you to look at as far as like looking for opportunities. This is where you find it. Okay. Um, look at the questions, the common questions that your clients are asking. Okay. Like, and keep track of that. Because if you see something like out of a hundred questions that 32 of the hundred are the <laughs> same question, mm-hmm. I bet you, you can build a service around that question wow. and people would buy it. You know Thank what I mean? You. Yeah, yeah. So like people try to come up with like these services and products and they they think it's a good idea, <laughs> but like they go and build the thing and then they try to sell it and nobody wants it. Right. And so where better place to get ideas for opportunities to make money other than your client? Like there's no other better place in that than that than keeping track of what your clients ask. Or your ideal client or your target market, right? Just keep it track. Mm-hmm. Keep track of what they're asking. Like Facebook groups, if you're part of uh, uh, any Facebook groups where they're all higher education people, uh-huh. just I would encourage you to just listen to the group. And what I mean by that is, um, like, there's there's a few entrepreneurial groups I'm a part of that, where I am never active. Like, I never mm-hmm. comment on anything, and mm-hmm. and I never engage with anything. And this is this is against what every marketer will tell you. <laughs> Um, but the fact is like, I don't do that because I just don't have the time to go and engage in like a hundred different groups, but I listen. And so what I'm listening for is I'm looking to see what are the common things people are asking. And then I go and create a product around it and then I sell it. That's it. Wow. Like that is the best place to look for opportunities. Wow. That is that's great information. I'm here writing down what you said. <laughs> <laughs> well, Denise, I think I we have covered a lot today. Um, I'm excited to see where you take some of this these ideas around, you know, building a personal brand and maybe some contracting out smaller tasks where you can, or uh, just all this opportunity cost talk, and then that that awesome advice from Clay at the end there as well of um, ident- using your clients and the things they talk about to identify. The best places to actually branch out your business because there, you know, there are lots of ways you could branch out your business. But again, unless your clients are actually willing to pay for it or interested in it or, or have a pain point that needs solved, it's not really going to bring in enough revenue uh, to sustain your business. So I, I think it's been a great conversation today. Uh, is there yeah. is there anything else we should talk about in the last couple minutes that we have here, Denise? Uh, Preston and Clay, you both have been wonderful. I have a page of notes here and I am right. definitely, I love it. Yeah, you, you have given me a lot of great ideas um, in terms of uh, the branding and the marketing and just e- even what um, you both just said a, a few minutes ago about um, finding out what people are asking about, what mm. are the people that I'm already serving 
what do they need? What are they looking for? So, yeah. I mean, those are powerful questions that have motivated me today. So I, I deeply appreciate this coaching you know, session. You know what I would love? And I'm sure Preston would love this too. Uh-huh. If, if you don't, you don't have to. I'm just saying that this would be amazing. If you took a picture of those notes and posted it in <laughs> the Mellow Facebook group <laughs> like, and said, look what I just got on my coaching call on this, on this podcast. We'd love that. We'd love to see some of your notes. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's not a coincidence at the first, at the top of the show, our little intro, we've had it forever. And it says, get ready to take some notes because yeah. an all new episode of Freelance to Founder. And, and we mean it like we we hope that some of the stuff we talk about on the show, hopefully not only Denise is taking notes, but other listeners as well. We hope that there's some stuff. I, I personally take notes for my own business. When Clay's talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, or a guest will bring up something. I'm like, you know what? That's something I could try in my business or something I could learn from. So it's fun to learn all together. I appreciate both of you taking time out of your schedules today to be on the call. And uh, and especially thanks to Denise for, um, for our jumping on a coaching call. We really appreciate it. Oh, wow. Thank you for this opportunity. All right. Thank you, Denise. Take care. Thank you. You too. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of The Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at FreelanceToFounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time. See ya.